0: If you've been listening to the show, you know I've been diving into the direct care business model for physicians as a way to rebuild our American healthcare system and end the burnout epidemic. If you're working with us as a planning client, we can help you get clarity on what it takes to get there, keep you accountable, and even give you a bunch of examples of how well this has worked for others. But I know many of you will need more than that. You may need support doing things you've never had to do before, like business planning or marketing or even IT. And I'm sure you could probably use a part. That's what my friends at Freedom Health Works can do for you. They are the complete direct primary care solution for physicians that wanna buck the system. They can help you set up and run your own practice with easy financing and support you with the business strategy, hiring guidance, technology setup, client acquisition, and even your website. If you're curious to learn more about them, hit pause, grab your phone right now, and save this number, 317-804-1203. That's 317-804-1203. We've also had their CEO on our May 2nd episode, one of their current clients on our June 13th episode and a client of ours who just started working with them on our show that aired on July 18th. Make sure and give those shows a listen if you're curious, but if you want to get some questions answered directly, give them a call. They're a great team. And once again, find out more at 317-804-1203. And make sure to tell my I sent you. Welcome to Finance for Physicians, a show where we empower physicians like you to practice medicine the way you always dreamed you would. This podcast features doctors, physicians, and experts that share one main thing in common. We believe having control of our finances leads to having control of our lives. In a world where doctors' lives are often dictated by our needs to maximize income, pay back massive student loans and buy homes, many of us give up reaching those goals, but it doesn't have to be this way. If you are ready to learn how financial wellness creates happier doctors and patients, then I'm your guy. I'm your host and financial expert, Daniel Wren. Let's get started. What's up, guys? As I'm recording this, it is uh, towards the end of tax season. And so I wanted to talk briefly about a question that commonly comes up and I would encourage all of you to think about. And that is, how should I be reviewing my tax return? What should I be looking for? Are there specific things to look for. So what I'm going to do is go through very, very high level, like the basics, just the preliminary stuff. If you like this sort of idea, the concept of doing this, I can get into a little bit more detail. But I'll start with like the basics, like the form 1040. And I'm going to reference it so you can, you can look at your actual 1040, pull it out and review it yourself. I'll just be focusing in mainly on the first page of stuff today. And so back to the question, I think The short answer is for sure you should be reviewing your tax return and there are all kinds of mistakes that happen and things to look for, which I'll talk about today. I work with families one-on-one and when we, in our work, we look at clients' tax returns, even if a CPA is preparing them, just to kind of make sure, like a quick skim to make sure everything looks good. And it's, I would say like maybe 10 to 20% of the time we find errors. And it's usually like a miscommunication or, you know, just something, you know, mistaken or whatnot, but it's definitely worthwhile to do. Oh, another thing, if you've already filed your tax return, it's okay. Preferably you ask your accountant, or if you're doing it yourself, you review this before it gets filed. So you can ask your accountant to provide a draft return to review before they actually formally file it. That's the best time to review. But even if you've already filed it, you can still, you know, worst case scenario, amend it. It's not a huge deal amend it and correct it essentially with the IRS. And then they'll, you know, settle up with you, whether you owe money or get a refund from that. And you can actually do that up to three years, three prior years, if you find mistakes. So it's worthwhile to review it, even if you filed it. And if you see a mistake, it's worthwhile looking at even older returns than just this year. So if you have your tax return, pull out the 1040. So that's just the, this main, it's actually two pages, but I'm just going to talk about the first page. So it's Form 1040, it's the the main, you know, it's where all the tax stuff comes together, and you see, you know, how it's coming through. So I'll talk through the, like I said, the first page, and throw out some things to look for. The very beginning section of it is, you'll see like name, spouse name, dependents, all that stuff. The one simple thing to look for, and this may sound stupid, but like make sure everybody's in there. I have on a couple of occasions found where accountants missed a dependent, like say you had a new child and they just weren't aware of it. And like I said, it was a communication issue. And so they just didn't put the new baby in there. And that can in some cases be a pretty substantial tax difference, like to your benefit. So you want to make sure for sure your spouse, you want to make sure your dependents are all listed in there correctly. And that's important. If you go down to the income section, which is like right in the middle of the page. So 1A, total amount from form w2 box one so it's it's a quick check i think to make sure all especially if you have multiple w2s if you just have one this is pretty straightforward it just should be the number from your w2 but some of the families we work with have like six or seven w2s and if that's you You definitely want to make sure every year that all of them are in there because I have seen this mistake made multiple on multiple occasions where just a W2 was forgotten or missed or mistake mistakenly overlooked or whatever. So it's worthwhile to double check this number to make sure this W2 number lines up with your total W2 amounts. Make sure nothing's missing. Uh, The next line item I would point out is 2A. So that's tax exempt interest. And then 2B is taxable interest. Here, you want to make sure that there is something listed there, especially now if you have no cash or like if you have very little cash in your savings accounts, then there's not going to be anything there. But if you have a fair amount of cash, like 10,000, maybe even 5,000 or higher, there should be a number here. And if there's not a number here, either there was a mistake and it wasn't reported or you're not earning any interest. And you should be. So a lot of these banks are not paying interest, even though some other banks are paying interest. So it's worthwhile to check to see what your interest actually was. And like I said, if it's zero, you want to check to see what your actual interest rate was or make sure it was actually reported in the first place under 2b in taxable interest. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, Wren Financial Planning. Want to hear something cool? My team at Wren Financial Planning has consistently told me that the listeners of this podcast are their favorite people to talk to. Did you know that you can set up a no-cost triage meeting with one of our amazing CFPs at Wren Financial Planning anytime and talk about your biggest financial questions? We can discuss things like considerations for transitioning into practice, getting the best bang for your buck buying a house, the smartest way to pay off student debt, or tips on maximizing your compensation package. Or maybe you'd love a second set of eyes to help look over your tax return or investment allocations. Maybe you'd just like a general second opinion from your existing advisor. Either way, our role in this meeting will be to listen to your concerns and help you start to identify potential actionable next steps so that you can start to make solid progress addressing those concerns as quickly as possible. Schedule a meeting now. You'll see a link in the show notes, and when you do, make sure to indicate you found us from Finance for Physicians. We look forward to talking to you. Okay, let's get back to our show. Now, tax-exempt interest that can come from like uh, certain like municipal bonds or stuff like that. So that's kind of a different category. I'm not going to go into detail on that today. Uh, and then 3A qualified dividends, and then 3B ordinary dividends. That's a good one to look at. Like you want to make sure you don't have like too high of a percentage of ordinary dividends, like if you're getting a whole bunch of ordinary dividends, or all of your dividends are ordinary dividends, they're less tax efficient. And so typically, that's a sign of like owning an inefficient tax wise investment in your brokerage account. And so I'd be asking some questions if my ordinary dividends were, you know, say, 60% or higher of the total dividends that I had. And so you want to look at that ordinary dividend to qualified dividend ratio and make sure ideally all of your dividends are qualified. Usually you can't get to that point, but ideally you want to have a higher percentage of qualified dividends. I think 70% is a pretty good target where 70% of your total dividends are qualified. Qualified dividends have a slightly better tax treatment. So you want to ideally have all of your dividends be qualified. And if they're not the majority. Then you wanna start looking at your brokerage account or asking some questions about what's going on there and what you're investing in. 4A. So 4A is probably the most common mistake we see. So IRA distributions, and then 4B is taxable amount. This is where the backdoor Roth IRA comes through. And so, most common mistake we see is that number in 4B is in 2022 numbers $12,000. That's a sign that it was incorrectly reported. If your goal is to do the backdoor Roth IRA, really that taxable amount number should be zero or very close to it. And if it's not, there's probably something wrong that's happening. And so if you do it correctly, like it should net out to very little, like maybe a few dollars or zero taxable income. On the other hand, if it shows $12,000, that's for sure a mistake. And if it's larger than 12,000, you wanna dig into that and figure out what's going on. That's a sign that there could be a problem. And then seven, so capital gain or loss. This is another one that can tie to your brokerage account, your investment accounts. That's where it all comes through on your activity from your brokerage accounts. If that number in line seven is, I guess for 2022, if it's really, you know, any positive number, I would be surprised. Unless you had some sort of unique transaction, like this can also be real estate transactions or, um, business transactions that trigger capital gains. But if you don't have any of those things and you just invest in a brokerage account, really, you shouldn't have had capital gains in 2022, uh, just because of how the year played out. And ideally it should be, you know, especially if you're in a high tax bracket, if you're trying to do tax loss harvesting and you're in a higher tax bracket, which typically amplifies the benefit of that, that number should be negative 3,000 because that's the max you're allowed to take of a loss to offset ordinary income. So that's the ideal number. If you're trying to do tax loss harvesting, that's typically the number you'll want to shoot for is negative 3,000 there. If it's higher than that, either something unique might've happened in your situation. I would want to understand what that was, or there could be maybe your investment or triggering more tax than is necessary. So you want to dig into that if if, if it's some other number. The last one I'll point out is on line 12, standard deduction or itemized deductions. The, the most common mistake I see here is people either doing it themselves or the accountant mistakenly assumes or considers it the standard deduction, which is just like the default everybody gets, when in reality, they should have done itemized deductions. So the most common itemized deductions are your mortgage interest up to a certain threshold, income taxes and property taxes paid and that caps out at 10,000 right now under current tax law. And then charitable giving. So the combined of those three numbers, if the total is greater than your standard deduction, then you need to itemize deductions. So it's worthwhile to check on that number, make sure you understand what your total is and compare it to what the standard deduction is just to make sure it's correct. I've seen multiple occasions where like I said the standard deduction was used when in reality you should have been itemizing. Okay, so that's the first page. Um, I wanted to keep it simple for today. Let us know if you want to dig in further and good luck reviewing your tax return. You've been listening to Finance for Physicians. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to our show in your favorite podcast player. On this show, we believe that when you prioritize your finances, you take better care of yourself, have more fulfilling relationships with your families, And most importantly, provide higher quality care for your patients. If you feel this way too and want to learn more, then make sure to join our community. Follow the Finance for Physicians Facebook group for bonus content and sneak peeks on next week's episode. Thanks for listening.